If you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the Design Paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. This is a big aha for clients. We shop ourselves too and have been saying this for years. We tell them, hey, up front, we shop ourselves. You know, don't have to worry about it because we're establishing that trust. Because you know, the basic tenet of business is to know your competition, right? So of course you're gonna shop yourself and see what's out there. We wanna be fair with clients always. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Buckle up for your in for a half hour or so of challenging the status quo. Liz is here with me today, and she has a lot to say on this subject too, because we are going to talk about selling products along with your creative talents. Everyone knows that we have a retail showroom, or at least maybe everyone who's listening doesn't know that, but we do. We have a retail showroom, a very small retail showroom. But what you might expect is that our retail showroom is killing it every day, right? And you're like, oh, well, Cheryl, you know, easy for you to talk about this because you have this retail store. But that's not the case. That's really not the case. Our retail shop is very strategic for me. It really is. Not only do we want to show our style, of course, and bring Peville, a bit of sassy design, but we also are able to get the best pricing from our vendors. And this means a big win-win for our clients. But these days, many, many design firms can negotiate good pricing with vendors as long as you are willing to put up a little bit of capital and be a good vendor partner. And if you're not willing to do all that, then I wouldn't expect the best pricing. Liz, I don't know. This might be a two-parter. Is There's so much to say on this subject, don't you think? I know. Our showroom is like such a godsend in so many ways because it does kind of act as our test kitchen, but it's an amazing resource for projects when we have to turn stuff quickly. We love it for photo shoots, and it really is such a good sort of training basis for us to see new product and try out new product. But we're all about product sales. We love to learn about new things, to be able to compare and contrast different options for our clients. And the original art and all that kind of thing that we're able to sell is oh, huge yes. for us. That's one of our fastest growing categories, but that's a whole nother podcast episode about the really the retail. And this is not about retail, but about selling products in general. But I wanted to, mm -hmm. full disclosure, that we have a small retail boutique, but sometimes no one comes in all day and that's okay with us because then we are able to get other things done. It's really a small part of our overall revenue pie. And, and I will maintain with all of you all day long, there are optimal ways to run a profitable design business. And there's not just one way. Okay, that's for sure. But I've worked in my way through all of this uh, 20 plus years of analyzing this and how to really make the best 
profit for the least amount of work, although I do feel like I work all the time. Whether you're a team of two or 12 or 25 or whatever it is, your client's experience will be superior if you can navigate a way to sell the product and procure it through your own vendor accounts or a reputable trade program or whatever. You know, just make sure it's a reputable program if you choose to sell products as part of your business model, which, you know, some people don't want to do that. And that's okay too. I totally get it. Some days I get it more than I can even begin to tell you. But you being in control is the best reason ever for a client to knock balk about this. So you really have to to learn some of the, not just to be able to access the products, but also learn how to spin it to your clients and how to make it a win-win. And maybe the clients spend a few more pennies or maybe they don't. I mean, they definitely don't with us, but truth is, Time is very valuable to most of our ideal clients. And you are giving your client back something really precious when you are in control of delivering the entire creative vision. And that is time. Mm -hmm. And so many of our clients get in touch with us because they say, you know, I just need help pulling it together. I just can't figure it out. I just don't have time to do this and to do that and to go here and to go there. And so it's such an easy answer to what it is that they're asking for, because many times they aren't sure where to go. We don't have a lot of great resources in our area anyways, but it's one of those things where it becomes such a good opportunity for us to be able to offer a more complete service. It's more exciting Mm -hmm. for us because we can really work top to bottom and think about all the inspiration we wanna include. And for the client, they get to just come in and like enjoy that process. They don't have to think about filling in the holes or worrying about what they're going to do with the phase two of whatever it is that's left over. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And people talk all the time about selling fees only and projecting, not dealing with the products because of the hassle of it and just want to sell the design labor, so to speak. And I think that that's fine. But some of those same people who do that always kind of I heard this, it's really probably old school designers, I guess, but sometimes I have seen in the Facebook groups and things like that that are saying, oh, people who sell product are not true designers and that that's you should only be selling your ideas and your vision and all that sort of thing and let the client get wherever they want to get the product. But I just don't believe in that. And I, you know, granted, I I think the newer... Yeah, no, not at all. We, no, because you're a control freak, kind of like me, right? But this is the, the one of the comments that really makes my eyes bleed, and I have to go put myself in a Facebook timeout, you know, for the safety of everyone else, and also for me getting off on a rant and a roll and having to go back and reread it and then delete it, but I never do that, do I? <laughs> but if you decide this is the best business model for you to only sell your skills, that's fine. It's fact, it's great, but don't be disparaging others <laughs> who actually do this and saying it's not real design, because quite frankly, I think it's much, much better because you have that control. And hey, some days I feel like if I can make a boatload of money and support my team doing just that, it would make more sense. But that is really okay for maybe a solopreneur or maybe you have one assistant, but it's not okay for a team the size of ours. I mean, it's just not reasonable. I mean, there's just not that many fees, you know, out there. And I think that it's really important also, if you do this this way, not to say you sell your time. And we're talking about that way here just because we're on the podcast. But I think too many times people will actually spin it that way that they are selling their time. I only sell my time. You know, well, no, no, that's not what you're selling, you know, and I'm going to repeat this in every episode if I have to, Liz, because I want to get this out, this mindset, and it has to be part of your DNA is that that is not what you're selling. You're not selling your time if you're doing it right. Yeah, that's a bad habit to break for sure. And I think that just like you said, so much of what it is that we're offering people is so much more than that. When you really analyze what it is that prospective clients are getting in touch about, 
it's not about having some personal shopper and it's not about someone just figuring out what paint colors are going to work in the space. They mm -hmm. need more than that in many cases and being able to help them start to understand that there's a difference between those things and the quality of the end product that they're going to get. That for me is where those two things become unified. It's like, I can't imagine what our portfolio would look like if we didn't have that opportunity to offer both the product and the concept exactly. together. Yeah, we wouldn't have as many photographs on there. That's for dang sure. And again, I do understand that some people don't want the hassle of products because lately in the last few years, it has gotten to be a major hassle. It really has. But I'm talking right now to those people that really want more or they want to scale their business. Because unless you live in a large metro and your name begins with a Kelly and ends with a Wurstler, you are unlikely to have a team of more or two or three and cover overhead with just fees alone. I mean, this is just the reality of it. I'm a business person, folks. I really am. I know what I'm talking about with this. And I have a team. I've had a team for a long time. It's just not a possibility to be able to do that unless you're in a really large metro area and super in demand and all that kind of thing. But that's just not the, <laughs> that's not the most of us. And, and not to mention the fact that this is simply good business to sell the products you specify because then you have more control over it like we're talking about and control over the project and control over the outcome and as Liz just said, control over the photos when you get it done because you are not having some client go rogue and getting something that really is not fitting in with the overall design. And here's the other thing about it. We pride ourselves on being very knowledgeable and being knowing what we're talking about. This is important to me and it's very important to my team. We spend an inordinate amount of time training when we took them all to High Point last we did training there with some of our vendors. I mean, this is something really important. So you provide more product knowledge when you're actually selling it because that's the truth, okay? I mean, I've been a salesperson since, you know, I don't know, since probably I came out of the womb in some way <laughs> or another. And I'm telling you, when you know the product, okay, when you are specifying a particular product, you are going to learn it inside and out, upside down. You're gonna know exactly what, you know, specialty things that Vanguard can do, for example. And there are like a million and 10 things that Vanguard can do. So you're going to know all that. If you're just sending your client off to a store to buy it, or you're just calling the store and ordering it or whatever, you're not going to know all that because there's no motivation for you to do that. Let's just say the truth because that's the truth. You're just not going to know as much about the products you specify if you're not selling them. To sell a product is to know that product because that is the first thing you must do if for any sales, any sales at all, you have to know the product. So my mantra as a bona fide class A salesperson is he who understands the products they are specifying, including, including your creative product, the creative product that you're delivering inside and out are the winners at the end of the day. Let me put a period on that one, Liz. Let's be honest too, that when you think about kind of the dynamics out there in terms of what people have access to, one of the most sort of proud moments we can have as designers who actually operate out of an office as real people is that connection with the whole sales portion of it. You know, being able to provide that type of service is something that people are looking for. There are a lot of people who still are not on that bent of being online and ordering online and having a pile of 12 rugs in the basement that are all the wrong size and that smell weird because they can't quite figure out the right <laughs> one to pick. So I just think that there's such a great opportunity there to really consider the benefit that a lot of people would enjoy having that opportunity. Of course, you've got to build up That's to right. it, but really being That's able right. to own that and to know that 
you're going to be able to answer the questions that they have because you're going to know. You're going to have the resources right. and you're going to have put in the time. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I think that it's something that my ideal client, our ideal client for sure, wants us to handle that. And as long as they trust you and you build on that trust and you are focusing on that trust right from the get-go before they even know who you are, you're putting out there in the world uh, things about your authority and your ability to be trusted, then you're not going to have a problem with this, okay? But it's not for sissies, okay? I'm just saying, sell product is not for sissies. You know, forget it if you don't have the ability to seduce customer service reps one day and stand over them wielding a whip the next day. And I think I've seen that with Miranda and Liz at any given time. That's the first thing that Liz really learned, uh, you know, how to do was to charm the customer service reps and then also the very next day go, uh-uh, we ain't having that here. No, 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 no. And forget it if you don't know how to use a box cutter correctly to open a box. Thank you very much. I mean, we have had, <laughs> that's been a big training oh, uh, part of one. it too. Yeah, yeah, without slicing the leather inside, you know, and that definitely has happened. I mean, I have all the the stories and the war wounds to prove it. And forget it if you don't understand what concealed damage is, for example, or if your receiver does not know what that means. I mean, these are things that you have to learn about. You must learn about the ins and outs, you know, all of that, how to deluxe something, you know, what that means, what's reasonable, what's reasonable to expect from this item that was shipped here and what's not reasonable. And we have a trade program also, and just didn't even think about putting a little plug in for that, but we have a authorized trade program through our retail store and it's really great. And we have a dedicated person, Miranda, that handles it. And you can email us uh, for any information about that. But you have to understand all these things before you can really sell product effectively because you might not be a good partner with the vendors. And forget about it too. If you want to be the retailer, when the money's rolling in, you're going, yeah, this is great. But you want to duck and cover when a problem arises. You know, is there's one consistent thing here there will be problems. There will be problems. There was problems before COVID. There was problems after. I mean, it, you know, it has nothing to do with that. It just made it much worse. But there's always going to be issues, especially if you deal with the kind of volume that we have. The more you, you sell, it's great for your bank account, but it's also going to multiply the problems, right? And I oh, yeah. really, again, get why some solo people don't want to do it. I am with you on that. But here is the thing. It is the fastest way to grow your income. And let's be honest, we all want a little bit of that. Um, I think the other thing to keep in mind with this, and it, it is true, obviously, I remember some of the first like hard lessons learned in terms of dealing with check-ins and freight carriers and all that type of thing was really this, like the more orders that would come in, the more claims that we had. And I just was like, how is it that we're ever going to get out of this pile of RGAs? But you take that on when you decide that you are going to be responsible for your clients' projects in this way. Yeah, and absolutely. when you take on that margin, when you say, you know, I'm going to offer this service, I'm going to sell this product, but some of it is going to come along with problems, with challenges, with trying to figure stuff out, with time that I have to spend dealing with claims. That's all part of it. And it's, you have to just be willing to take ownership over it, but it's not something not that freak is for out. the faint of heart. I mean, let's be no, honest. No, it really isn't. And you can't freak out about it. I think that I might mention here too, because I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, if you're a recurring podcast listener, that we actually are probably the only firm in all of America, maybe all of the world, that checks in our own merchandise. That's right. We have mm -hmm. a little warehouse. We have a little warehouse on the property, but that's small for little things that I don't want getting lost. But our big warehouse is, you know, down, I don't know, five or six miles away. And we have for 17 years checked in our own products, not Cheryl, because Cheryl likes to go and open the box and look at the pretty thing and go, oh my 
my God, this is so pretty. I love this. Look at this fabric. Take a picture of it. Kind of jazz up the client about it by sending it. And then I like to walk away. I don't like doing all the procedures and, and whatnot that Liz likes to do. And, and I remember Stephanie doing it years ago too. And she would be like, you're just not welcome here. Okay. You just go back to the office and do your thing. Because all you want to do is look at it, at the pretty stuff. The but pretty but we part, do, yeah. we, we check in our own merchandise. So it makes us very able to understand a lot of the, an empathy for the vendor and shipping and all the issues that go on. I mean, it's really probably been a, a super growth opportunity. I think Liz would say too, that she has learned so much for that, but, oh, you, but you have to, absolutely. yeah, I mean, really, it's like just, I mean, and, and Liz still is in charge of that, even, even where she is now. And the reason is, is not because I thought to myself, oh, this will be a really fun thing for us to do. It's because <laughs> we really don't have a lot of good options here. We just don't. Yeah. And we need to be able to access it. I, I can't have my stuff like stacked 20 feet in the air like one local place wanted to do because we may need it sooner than later and we do we just run a lot of projects so it was something that was really important but the point here is you have to have systems in place you have to invest time in learning the lines and freight and receiving and all the RGAs and all the blah blah Liz is talking about you know this is like an entire book to be written I'm telling you and I think that you need to know the difference between margin and markup that's another good one. And a cursory glance in these groups, you know, will show you that many absolutely do not. You have to be a good partner to the vendors you want to mm -hmm. cultivate. I mean, that's super important. You want to be a good partner to them. And, and there's nothing like checking in your own merchandise to really learn, you know, what vendors pack the best and which ones don't and all that. And that, that informs some of the decisions we make. Because Liz will come back from, you know, being at the warehouse and say, uh-uh, we are not using, there's one in particular that I won't name names, but there's one in particular that I think her and Sam and a couple other people said, I think we still have a credit with them, Liz, swore on them the off. books yeah, somehow. We and we swore them off because of the way that they shipped the goods and, you know, and all of that. I mean, it's just craziness. So we expect certain things from vendors, but you also have to be a good partner to the vendors you want to cultivate. Mm -hmm. And here's one thing that really chaps my hide sometimes, especially when I have so much money invested in the retail and everything that we do here. Many designers think they should be given the best pricing simply because they are in business. And it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. There is no free lunch. And this is such a really entitled viewpoint. You being in business and hanging out a shingle does not mean you get stocking dealer pricing or even designer pricing. I mean, come on now, come on. You know, think about it like as if you were, you know, a vendor and, and otherwise everyone in the world would march down and file for a resale certificate right now. It's like a little opportunity to like develop that ownership of having a really good relationship with your vendor. I mean, I think that we have in so many instances over the years looked at the relationships we have and considered, you know, what are these lines doing for us? What is it that we have coming up in terms of new jobs, facilitating good customer relations with the internal team. Like I can remember Melissa Setzer, who I think ended up moving way down the pipeline at Vanguard, but she was like my godsend in the, that first year yes. and a half or so learning so about shipments and everything. But it just, there's so much that goes into that type of relationship that you really do have to value it. And you have to be able to look at mm -hmm. it from the perspective of a vendor and say, of course, they're going to want to know that there's some sort of control over where their product is going, how it's being sold, and how it's being incorporated into the market. For us, these relationships yeah. are important. And being able to really represent the brands the way that they deserve to be represented is a thing. I mean, it for sure is valuable, I think, for them, too. Yeah, I, and, and we've gotten such good feedback from vendors that we really want to cultivate and that we are good partners with. And I think this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And you know what? And there's sometimes they're just really sucky reps too. I mean, sometimes there are just 
reps that aren't Ooh. that good. And the going. ones that don't, don't even go there, Liz. Don't even go there. Um, <laughs> but it's the truth. There are reps that aren't very good. And sometimes Liz will pitch a fit about something and say, you know, we're not going to sell that anymore because of this or that. And, you know, the reps need to be good too. And I, I tell vendors all the time it, when I get a chance to talk to some of the higher ups, and I do because of some of the publicity and things that I get you know, in front of right people. And I will talk to him about it and say, look, you know, your rep here is so awesome. It is so awesome. That's why we buy this line is because this rep is so good. And you guys, if you, if you have a really good rep, take advantage of that, have them do in-service training and, and things like that. I mean, make sure that you're utilizing them to their full extent of their knowledge and really pick their brains. And there's some lines now I probably know better than after all these years than the reps do. And, you know, of course, and I think sometimes it does color your perception of a line if the rep has not been good or if you've had an unpleasant experience and all that. But what I can tell you, having a trade program, that there's sometimes people that we say, you know what, this is just not a good fit for you buying from us because, you know, you really aren't, you need to go back and really understand more about how this works. And we have a rule right off the bat that we don't have anybody in the program that's been doing this for less than a year because there's just too many other things for you to focus on. And we do a lot for these people, but, you know, they're not paying me to train them in that way, unless, of course, they are paying me to train them in that way. <laughs> but anyway, so another thing that don't want to forget, Liz, is that understanding the words MSRP and MAP oh, yeah. pricing, you know, minimum advertised price, and use these words correctly. I seems like I say this on every podcast too, that words matter, you know, words matter, you know, and they really do. It's a communication and words are, are so important. But when we say in my shop retail, we mean MSRP, which is the manufactured suggested retail price. When others say it, they mean who the heck knows. And this happens every single day in Facebook groups, every single day. I mean, all the time people will, will say, well, we charge retail. When people say that to me, you know, they, well, our pricing is retail to our clients. What the hell does that mean? Does it mean retail to what it is at Cheryl's place? Is it retail at, uh, you know, the place down the street? Is it, is it retail, you know, online? Is it retail for, what does it mean? What does that mean? So you have to really define these words and, and no one really knows that. You have to have like a control term so that you have language that uh, effectively communicates, you know, especially when you have a team and you can call it whatever you want, but you just want to be or, or define retail however you want, but you want to be consistent in your verbiage as the term retail means different things to different people. And that is just a very big deal. And defining it and how you mean it is super important. And, you know, if you say MSRP, it can mess up your day when you have multiple people using the word differently and dealing with pricing on clients. And that's what we do here. You know, there's nothing like having a team to make you get your, you know what, together, right? And when we say that retail, it's going to mean as MSRP. Now, to some, they're saying retail or MSRP, and they're talking about MAP. Okay, they're not talking about the published price from the vendor, which most vendors have, not all, not all. There's some that don't, but a lot of vendors have a book price or a published price or whatever it is that you want to call it, and that is termed as the MSRP. But the mere fact that some people don't have that and that everybody does things a little differently is the more important why you as a design firm or a retailer or whatever has to define that within your firm. Because a lot of people, when they say MSRP or they say retail, they mean map pricing. You know, and that's something else that most vendors will publish and say that it can't be advertised anything lower than this online. Okay. And whatever you want is fine. Just be consistent with it. That's all I'm saying. And, and on top of that, let me just add, stop with the mark up verbiage. We mark up. We mark up. No. Okay. Better optics mark 
down from MSRP, marked down much better. This is just a, an optics thing. This is positioning. It is just good sales strategy. Don't talk about mark up. Okay. Don't say that. Just don't say that. It just doesn't have a good vibe. Even if you're saying that, we never say that to clients. We never even talk about that, or it doesn't even come into our lexicon. But I know for a lot of people, they do a cost plus type of situation. While I don't agree with that kind of a business model, I still think all of us could refrain from using that markup verbiage. You know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about, Liz? I mean, we've talked yeah. about this a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, I think with product sales, you sort of end up with this whole litany of different things that pop up. We have the dynamics of both the firm and the retail space. So of course, right. when we're talking and cross-pollinating all of the efforts that we have, we have to be sure that we're very clear that the people who are talking to customers know exactly what they're talking about. And when we have clients calling in, we need to know that they're going to understand what really is this whole structure that you're about and how is it that this product mm -hmm. comes into play. So the dynamics with the vendors, the dealing with the claims, the helping to sort of navigate best pricing and figuring out how you're going to make the investment go as far as it can with a project. These are all facets of being able to really create value to your clients and how it is that they're going to interact with you and what they're going to benefit when they're working with you. Yes, yes. I, and I think the, the overall idea here is just good communication, right? I mean, it's just oh, good yeah, communication. Sure. But one of the things I see is when people do hire somebody, a new assistant or whatever, they really don't go over these things. They don't go over, okay, this is how we define it. And the, the really even more so than MSRP is retail. That's the one that I hear about even yeah. really even more. And, and retail, it's just- uh, And you have you to know, break it's, the it's, habit. Like a, yeah, yeah. And, but, 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 the, but I don't understand why people just don't think about that for a minute. Like, what do you think that my store and the store down the road and the store down the road and the store you know in Tallahassee and the store in New Orleans or whatever, do you think that they all utilize the same retail, quote unquote, retail price? So what does that mean? We're all retailers. So that tells you that there's a differential in that. And so that's mm -hmm. the important thing to take away from this is that you really want to define the words, however it means to you. We have a certain way of defining them here and it's always that way. Like client price is the client price the client's going to pay. Shop price is the price that's on our floor. You know, map price is map price. You know, that's what it is. And another thing while I'm talking about this too, you don't need this funny math. Okay. So no splitting the discounts and all of that business. You know, you need to dispense with that, send it to the trash, hit delete, whatever you need to do. Just get that right out of your mind because that is a really not a good idea. And I don't advocate for that to anybody. I don't care where you are in your journey. I don't care, you know, how long you've been doing it. I don't care about any of that. I don't advocate for anybody. And trust me, people want you to make money too. I mean, how else do you stay in business for God's sake? And the cherry on top, if you set the stage correctly from the get-go with clients, you're not gonna have any problems. You're really not. You know, you heard that, right? Get the money talk out of the way up front. Then you move on to your zone of genius, creating experience, building relationships, all of that sort of thing, your goal should be to make it a win-win always. And clients deserve this from you. And just think about that. Everything that you do, how can I make this a win-win for me and for my client? Because that's the way it should be, y'all. It really should. That's the way it should be. And how many times do we talk about expectations? I mean, I think that when any of us think about how it is that we're going to want to be involved with a company, no matter what service it is that they're offering, you don't want to be surprised halfway through with all this talk about price and all this commitment no. that you might need to be catering no. to. You really Get have to be able to hone in on that from the beginning so that the person who's engaging with you understands very clearly what it is that they're getting involved in. We have so 
many people who reach back out to us. Cheryl has designers she's been working with for years. And there's so many instances where this happens. And it is such a gut punch, I'm sure, for them, because you think you're just moving along through a project and everything's going, you know, smooth as butter. And then all of a sudden the invoices come out and people are surprised. I can't imagine. Cheryl would have me hung by my toes in the backyard yes, if something in the like basement. that happened. In the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Just not not yeah. a good thing. Not a good thing. No, so it's, you really, it's really have not. to I just think, get comfortable yeah. with it. You have to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you have to, to do it up front. You know, make all this right. very clear. And let me segue into this really quick, because I know this is going to be something that people are going to say to me or call me up and say, you know, while we're talking about this, what about someone, Cheryl, that asks about discounts? What if they ask me this on the discovery call, whatever, you know, and full disclosure here, honestly, we don't have clients asking about this because it's clear how we do business. I mean, really, truly. But if you ask me this, my response might be something like, I don't know what you mean. We don't get discounts because I, it's not a discount, y'all. It's not a discount. Let's not call it one because it's not one. Okay. It's not a discount. It's not, you know, but I might say, you know, we don't get discounts. If you want a retail designer, then go to the store you like best and ask them if anyone there can help you, you know, and I think that that's okay because you know what, maybe that's what's best for that person. Maybe you're doing them a favor by having them do that because I'm not going to try and convince somebody that thinks that that's how we work, that we don't work that way. I'm just not going to spend a lot of time on that. And you know what? There are just some clients that are more in control that way. They want to, they want to do all that on their own. There's nothing wrong with that. If we need to get over the idea of someone wanting to do that. If you can't sell them on how you do it and what the pluses and, and the benefits are to doing that, then let them go do what they need to do that's right for them. You know, Or I might say something like, we don't work with other retailers. We are your retailer in the sense that we will procure the pieces we need to create the design. You know, they don't give us discounts. We have a vendor relationship based on our purchasing power and all that and you know, our status in the design community. You know, this is how we make a living, Mrs. Yumpty Front, and how we are able to offer a turnkey spectacular experience for our clients. Or usually what I might say if someone said this to me, because this is what I say to designers, because I really don't get asked about it on clients, and so Liz is the one who handles the discovery calls anyway, I'm like, I don't know what you mean by this. We don't get discounts. You know, and then you might go on, might drop it right there, or go on to say something like our business model is predicated on making a profit on pieces we specify from our long list of key manufacturers and custom artisans to create the design as well as, of course, the design fee. This is how we continue to be successful, long time, professional design firm, around for many years, to take care of you after the sale. And I just haven't had a lot of people, really, that don't understand this when you are positioning it, right? I mean, have you, Liz? I mean, you're the one who deals with the discovery calls. No, and, and we've talked about this a handful of times. I remember you trying to explain someone had sent you like their pricing breakdown, and you were trying to explain it to me, and I looked at it, and I was like, this is like... <laughs> We have enough you work never, to you, do you, you, on our own, not to mention trying to figure out some sort of convoluted math problem about yeah. all of this. It just like, doesn't make like sense to, to me, but sometimes. we really don't. And it is a curious thing. It's like, I don't know if it's just because of how we market or the type of clients who get in touch with us, but it's just not a thing that people ask about. There are plenty of people who want to understand how we work, but it's never been a question and maybe because they realize very quickly that there's some established value there in terms of how we structure everything and the fact that we're not operating as a, a personal shopper. I mean, there's a lot of sort of other facets to what we do that right. unify right. kind of the schematic portion of the materials. But I think maybe there was one time someone from Atlanta or something like that asked about it because they had had a, a designer they had worked with before who did it. And it was a very quick nip in the bud because I remember thinking to myself, industry. oh, no, no, bad no. 
<laughs> we're not even going to put a note about that in the comments because Cheryl will have all sorts of things to say. But yeah, it really isn't. It, we really don't run into it. Thank goodness. Right. And I think the best I could say about that is that it's all about the marketing that we do up front, the marketing right. before someone ever calls you, the way we position things on our website, the fact that we talk about products, the fact that we list vendors on our website. Now, a lot of people are worried about that. A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want them to know who they're buying. I'm like, well, let's get real here. Okay, now in my shop, I'm going to debrand everything I can. And then we rebrand sofas and things like that ourselves, unless it's a benefit to me and to the client or the customer to actually know who it is. But when it comes to clients, I mean, they're spending a lot of money with us. I'm not going to try and hide who we are dealing with. I don't go out of my way to, to send up a, you know, a flare in the sky or something, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do that. But I think that the, re and I just like, this just popped into my mind, literally, that it's, we do put it on our website, the list of, of vendors that we have, because we are borrowing authority from them. So this is what happens when you are cultivating, you know, that authority and that expert in the room and all of that, you can oftentimes borrow authority from a third party. And that's really what the rationale is when you're doing this on your website. Now, if you are not uh, buying enough volume to get the best pricing and things like that, then maybe you don't want to do that. But the idea is, is for you to do that and to associate with good vendors. But it's a curious thing because we really do not get that. But I am firmly believe because positioning and marketing is so important to me. And it is something that I know a lot about. I did it for many years prior to getting into this field. And I study it like crazy. So I think it really is a lot of how you position your firm in the first place. And, and if people do, sometimes the easiest thing to do is, is if someone asks you about that sort of thing is, is just pull the, the card of like being confused. I don't know what you mean by that. We are a professional design firm. And that's kind of my favorite thing is to, because that's really a, a true mic drop moment that is just because I don't know what you mean by that because really it's not discounts, okay? <laughs> so it's not. So when people say that, you know, it's not. Now, if you're talking about Crate and Barrel or, or Pottery Barn or one of those kind of places, then yeah, I don't know. I've never once specified anything for a client from that, not in day one, not ever, not ever in 23 years. It's just not something we do. Maybe we buy plates or, or something like that for a condo or something when we're doing all of it, that's fine. But we are not specifying from those lines but maybe that's where all of that came from, you know, this discount thing and, you know, and whatever, you share your discounts, do whatever. But the truth is, is I don't know what you mean by that. We are a professional design firm because professional design firms are not going to split discounts. And I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody with that. But to me, that is the truth. That is just the truth. And you need to uplevel the industry. You know, I can go on date for days and days on this and you probably don't want to hear it. But the truth is it won't come up for anyone if they position their business in the way that it needs to do in order to avoid it. Okay, I right. work with designers for the last five and a half years. I know what I'm talking about. This is not that hard. And the reason it's it's even a thing is because one person many years ago planted this idea into the minds of designers and it got amplified and now it's this monster out there for so many people, although I think it's getting better, I really do. Prior to this, it was the cost plus thing, but no one was ever asking about discounts when I first started in this industry. You know, I never heard that. I never talked to people about it and I networked and was involved with a lot of brands and so I met a lot of designers early on. No one ever really talked about this. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't... Is there anything that you know you else that's you think so, about with that? No, I, I mean that's know. so true. I guess I when thinking back to the whole positioning idea, it really 
it's like you, again, just like anything, you have to be in the right mindset about these sort of things and understand how it is that you're selling your product, whatever that is, to your client to be able to offer them value. And if you have that mindset that either they deserve a discount or that there's some sort of structure there where they're benefiting in that way, you're degrading once again, just like we talked about very at the beginning, this idea that like this is a unified, overall, comprehensive, amazing product that we're going to be providing you, this overall design. Yes, product, creative vision. And, the product and she's talking you, about is the creative vision. Yeah, when you break it down to the whole thing. a shopping list and discounts and coupons and that type of mentality, <laughs> that's the type of customer Coupon. that you're going to be finding. I mean, let's let's be yeah, real about that's it. Right. It gets that's into right. their mind that that's how their association should be to what it is that you're offering. And I think that it, it is just about separating that piece from the puzzle. Yeah. And it doesn't right. start out the relationship in a good way either. Right. And it's not, it's not that, I mean, our clients get the best pricing for sure. I mean, we're not out there charged. I mean, we wouldn't be in business if we were. So I have right. found ways to work with vendors and to do that. So they get the best pricing. I have I spent right. an entire year, y'all, before I started selling, doing all of this with the retail end of it, or really even before the retail end of it, when I started selling products in general that weren't kitchen and bath products and that sort of thing, I spent an entire year researching what vendors that I wanted to work with. And I had a criteria that I was looking for to find out who was going to be a good partner, where I was going to be able to deliver a good value to my client, because that's important. It's a win-win. It really is. I mean, we're not charging clients more than they would find somewhere else. I mean, it's just, we're just not. But we're also not dealing with the really low-end stuff that you can find everywhere, because that's not the kind of work that we do or that I want yeah. to do. I mean, really. Yeah. I think that, that part of it is a mentality part of it. I think some of it is designers that get into it that just are doing it as a side hustle maybe and then they it's easier for them there's nothing wrong with that either about doing it that way but I do think from the very beginning that you should work with lines that that represent what you want to deliver and I personally don't you know just like we talked about in the just say no to catalog decorating episode I don't want to work with those kinds of lines because they're everywhere they're ubiquitous it's just right. not what we want to do as a firm I don't know. I don't know. There's so much to say about it that we could go on forever and it probably needs to be another, you know, entire podcast. But let's right. just go back, refocus for a minute on if you are not selling products now to your clients that not running them through your business. And that's what I mean by that is running them through your business. Let's wrap this up with a pretty little bow. And here are some of my key points just to reiterate this because we've gone off a little on tangent here, a little off tangent here and there on it, is number one, put more eggs in fewer baskets. So what I mean by that is that you want to consolidate your sales with lines that really represent your aesthetic and what you mm -hmm. can do and what you can offer to your clients. So you don't want to have 40 million lines. You want to concentrate. You can always buy from other lines for that one-off piece or things you need. I mean, that's for sure. We do that all the time. But your core pieces, your core things, your core deliverables to the client, if you can consolidate that into fewer baskets, you know, meaning have less lines, you are going to be more important to that vendor. You're going to get the better pricing and it's it's a win-win for you and the vendor, you know, too. And then number two, cultivating strong vendor relationships. Very important. And I think that this is one thing that is not really taught or talked about. And I'm very upfront and honest about this, you know, in, in TDP and when I'm coaching designers and all of that, that it's a two-way street. 
Okay, it's a two-way street. And if you're always bashing the vendors and, and you know, it's they suck, they do this, you're not going to develop strong relationships with them. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget that years ago before Liz, we had started with Vanguard and Vanguard did not want to sell us. They, they, we had to talk them into it. Okay, and this was at least, I don't know, 17, 16, 17, 18 years ago. And they didn't want, they didn't want to do that. You know, they're just not... Being designer friendly was not something that, that something relatively, you know, new in the last, you know, 10 years, I guess. But anyway, they didn't want to do that. And so we started out with case goods because that was the most important. One of the reasons I liked the line is because they had case goods and upholstery. And I really liked the quality and I liked the, the differencing in pricing that there's, you know, from mid range to higher range. So I really liked that. But I remember the, the he's since retired now, but the rep said to me at the time, we went through a lot of this and goes, well, you know, if you can do this, if you can do this and sell a certain amount, which was a pretty high number for us, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to take you guys to lunch and, or to dinner and all of those kinds of things. And that, and that was late. That was years later that he really talked about that. I'm just saying that at the beginning, we weren't really set up to do all of it. He, he gradually let us, let us sell upholstery, you know, cause that's just the way it was then. And then he did. And then he did. We hit that number and he did. He flew down from somewhere up in the top <laughs> half of the United States. I don't remember where, but he was just great. His name was Mark. He was great. I loved him. And we have always had really good reps from Vanguard. And now we've had our same one for years and years. And this is not a paid endorsement or anything like that <laughs> for Vanguard. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't, you know, we don't even know how to do that yet, y'all. But, uh, no, but this is it not was a that. great example, though, of how you really, you worked really into is. that. It was hard That's work. That's exactly right. And you did, you put the legwork in to make it happen. Yeah, really. And then that was before it was quite the same kind of environment. And here I am in this podunk town, you know, saying, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell your product. You know, I said, dude, you don't know me. I am like a hell of a salesperson. So if I can learn the product and do all this, and then we did. He came down a lot and gave us training and trained the team and trained me and all that. And and again, I probably know more about the line than a lot of you between you and me, Liz. We probably know more about the line than some half the reps there do because we've really cultivated that, so much that line yeah. and those relationships. Yeah. And they also, they trust us, you know, but they trust mm -hmm. us because we know when something needs to be deluxed at the warehouse and that it is something that needs to be taken care of, you know, okay, hey, this needs to be taken care of. This is a minor thing. This is something that a quote unquote retailer would do. And remember, you are going to be acting as a retailer when you want those those kinds of lines and that kind of pricing. You can't right. then say, oh, we don't do that. No, you have to act just like any other retailer would do. Um, the other thing to number three is to consider front-loading initial orders with existing clients. So if you have to have a good, a big buy-in with a particular line, let's say it's $15,000 or whatever. If you have to do that, consider, you know, on, on your scope of, of clients, the work that you have going on, think about how can I bundle some of this together to meet that opening order? You know, what would make most sense for this? Or if you want to redecorate foyer or something at your house, you know, think about that or whatever the case may be. I do remember Liz one time we, we wanted to, I don't remember what line it was, but it was some line that we, we really wanted to open with. And Liz, we were at market and Liz was all excited about it. And she was like, yeah, we're going to do this line. And next thing I know, she's like, you know, she's getting things for herself just so that we could open the line. I don't remember who yeah. that was, Liz. But, my my but spotted remember, dining chairs, my Dalmatian dining chairs. It was C.R. Lane. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It was C.R. Lane. And it was like, okay, we got to spend yeah, X I amount got to do this. I got four yeah. dining chairs. Yeah. 
And we end up, because I love that day bed that they had. I know. Um, it's okay, a great, wait a minute. It's a great we're not promoting these people. They got to pay I us know. or pay the <laughs> thing or pay for the production or something if we're going to do all that. But it's the truth. So yeah. think about that. Number three, the consider front loading the initial orders with existing clients or whatever. I mean, no one's going to care if it's your mom or yeah, whoever, strategy. just to be able to get. Yeah, it's a strategy just to be able to get over that initial hump to doing. And then, of course, you're going to have to maintain minimums throughout the year, but then you're going to be learning about the line. You're going to be able to sell it more. And I'm telling you guys, trust me when I say, trust me, trust me, okay, trust me, that when you are selling a line, you know, when you are, are know a line, you can sell it, okay? Then number four, think about the dynamic of add-on sales because add-on sales you know, are great when you have lamps and all that kind of thing. And then you, know, you set your pricing based on what your firm needs to make to be profitable. And then the price is the price, y'all. The price is the price. Okay, Liz, we're running out of time, so let's wrap it up before we get to our damn good truth. Anything else you need to say? No, I think that everyone though, if you're not selling product, we're getting to the end of the year here, take a good hard look at how you did this year and consider that this could be a huge, huge way to ramp things up. Plus, That's it's a exactly lot of right. fun. I love product sales. I really, really do. I, I do too. I do too. And I love going to market and being able to do, th I mean, I just love it. Okay, so here is our damn good truth. And this is a big aha for clients. We shop ourselves too and have been saying this for years. We tell them, hey, up front, we shop ourselves. You know, don't have to worry about it because we're establishing that trust. Because you know, the basic tenet of business is to know your competition, right? So of course you're gonna shop yourself and, and see what's out there. You know, we wanna be fair with clients always. We rarely have issues with pricing. In fact, we never have issues with pricing. The price is the price. But why is this? Because we focus on the end product we are delivering, that being the creative vision that Liz was talking about earlier. And we are gonna promote the personality, the skill, the experience we bring to the table. We're gonna promote all of that. We're not gonna be seen as personal shoppers ever. It's our own secret sauce and you have to find yours too. Then you have to bottle it and then you share it with the world in the best way you can with your marketing. And you don't need all the clients. You only need the clients that are right for you. Thank you guys for joining us again on our podcast. And we hope that you will share with us what you're thinking by leaving us a review or a rating. And if you want to give us an email or check out any of our other products, you can go to damngooddesigner.com and find everything there. And we really appreciate you being here. We really do. Thank you. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bag girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter. Hey everyone, if these conversations are leaving you hankering for more, the design paradigm will be open again soon for anyone interested. A great little end of the year spiff if you're looking to scale the growth of your firm and really dig in on revamping your processes and your approach to business. So come join us. We'd love to have you.